Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Communication Mixed Down. The show that takes a critical look at contemporary media. And explores the way we use communication to make sense of the world around us. From social media to citizen journalism. To the logo on the front of your favourite T-shirt. It's all part of the Communication Mixed Down. Each week, Thursday, 6 to 6.30. Communication Mixed Down. Cranking up. Right here on 3CR. That's us. We're Communication Mixed Down. I'm John Langer. And then in this edition of the show, we're going to be discussing fashion as communication. But where to start? And that's why we've invited our very special guest tonight, Sean Ryan, onto the show. He's a senior lecturer in the School of Fashion and Textiles at RMIT University, and he's researching what he says is the barely existent field of fashion theory. That's his words. Welcome to Communication Mix now, Sean. Thank you, John. Well, where to begin? That was the question. Let's start from last week, because as I understand it, you were attending an RMIT fashion design student's runway show at the Melbourne Town Hall. I've never been to anything like that, an event like that. What happens and what's your role in it? Well, the student show at the Melbourne Town Hall was part of Melbourne Fashion Week. Um, RMIT fashion design students, the fourth-year honours students, have the privilege of being able to put on their own show as a part of Melbourne Fashion Week at the Town Hall. Uh, It's a new experience for all these students. Uh, We have a very tight selection process, so... They've got to go through the rigours of showing their works and getting it selected by both their teachers and some industry experts. Uh, they're fairly new at the game, so they, they've, they're asked to come up with five looks, five outfits, and then they put on a show. So they learn all about the, the backstage shenanigans of fittings and hair and makeup and getting things done at the last minute and putting on a show and then having to watch it happen, um, hopefully without a hiccup. Um, so it's a great experience. It's great for for them for, to learn how these these things happen and to see their work in public and not just in the classroom. So the staff of RMIT were invited to to that, of course, and we witnessed their work, and it's it's a great experience for for them and for us. And it presume it takes quite a while to actually organise something like that. Organisation starts early in the year, in March, April. So we we're approached by the. Melbourne Fashion Festival organisers and by the Melbourne City Council who are part of this organisation and they tell us what the format for the program is and and from the start of the school year the students are organising themselves and trying to hit deadlines to get work ready on time. Just in terms of notions of fashion, is there something that you detect every year where students are kind of locking into a particular I don't know what you call it, a look or a style or... Or a trend, yeah. Yeah. There are always designers who are flavours of the moment and, you know, we're quite aware of them and the students are certainly aware of them, probably more so than I am because, um, you know, the more you're exposed to these things, the more kind of blasé you get about what's out there. But the students are very um, 
attuned to latest trends internationally, and you see that develop through their work. But at the same time, um, they're taught by very skilled teachers, and the teachers themselves bring their own style and mm. and um, and look to to what they teach the students. So it's always a combination of these two things. But sure, there are certainly trends, and um, and you see things change. I what, noticed what did, this year you... there was a lot of a lot more. Um, Use of colour, which was quite well exploited. They were very good at managing colour. The, the, also attention to, to materials, because it, being students, they don't have a lot of money. So mm. uh, they often make brilliant garments out of quite cheap clothing, out of quite cheap fabric. And But I noticed they've made some good choices this year. Mm-hmm. Do you? Uh, sorry, do you? Yeah. Uh, do you? Uh, do they get a grade at the end? I'm, so I'm pursuing this a little bit just to kind of tease it out because I haven't never been to anything like this, and just just for for my own sake. And yeah, do you? Get, do they get a grade at the end of it? This is really an event that happens in the middle of the year, so they're not marked on what they present and what how they carry out the the exhibition, uh, the parade. But this is part of their overall year's work, so they're still working on their garments, and by the end of the year. These students will have a collection to show, but not all students design for the runway. So some students design for exhibition. They put their work in some kind of gallery context. Others design to make films. So they, they, they're producing costume, and then they produce a film in which the costume figures and plays some part as some kind of character or some backdrop to a narrative or something like that. Mm. Other students, I think design is not so much their focus, and they'll probably end up moving into things like hmm. fashion design management or um, mm, mm, mm. managing corporations, managing people, even things like fashion journalism. Um, yes. And a lot of them are already blogging and things like that. Yes. So they're not always runway creatures. They're, they have a very kind of wide yes, yes. range. Yeah, that, look, that's, yeah. that's very interesting because, you know, you, you do think of fashion particularly sort of locked into that you know, runway and the event sort of thing, you're expanding And that's, that. that's the media um, portrayal of what fashion is. And a lot of our students come into the course with that idea in their mind, um, which I guess it's our job is to tell them that fashion and the clothing industry is a huge beast. It's internationally um, mm. an enormous um, creature Mm-mm. and with lots of ramifications for that. Now, something that's very intriguing to me uh, is the, your background, and your background is in philosophy, and your doctoral thesis was a topic on Heidegger's interpreta- interpretation of Nietzsche. Now, I wanted to ask you a question, not about your doctoral thesis, <laughs> but rather, why does a school of fashion have a staff member who has a background in philosophy? Um, there's the, the coincidental reason and there's, the, I guess, the um, curriculum reason. So the coincidental reason is my partner is a fashion designer and she teaches at RMIT. And when I was sessionally teaching philosophy at Melbourne University, I was asked occasionally to come across to the fashion design program and give some lectures on pretty random topics, usually to do with aesthetics and art theory, and but occasionally things to do with philosophy. Then I was asked by the head of the program, to help her teach our honours thesis course. So that's pretty much what I teach is a lot of history and theory in the program. So that's where my speciality comes in. And the honours students, they have to write a thesis. It's a four-year program and we take that seriously. It's not just designing clothing. They've got to learn a lot about the history and theory of fashion Mm. and art and its related subjects. 
and they get to write a thesis on a topic of their own choosing. So it's not always about fashion itself. It might be about something about creativity in general or about fashion and some other um, topic, fashion and art or fashion and media. Fashion and, and communication. Fashion and selfies, as I was talking to you about before. Right. So they're the two reasons, and a, a position came up and I applied for it and I was lucky to get it. Right. Okay. Well, let's let's continue that fashion as communication. Now, some people have talked about fashion as working like a language, and it has a grammar. It's the assumption is it has a grammar, a syntax. You need to know where to place things in order for them to make sense, as it were. Um, this speaks with this, and this is how we make sense of things. Just is this a useful way of thinking about fashion as communication? Useful in, in a limited sense. Uh, this is a topic of endless debate. Um, I guess it, it originated, it grew out of the whole structuralist movement where the, the semiotics of not just words but of cultural objects was explored. So the um, French theorist Roland Barthes thought he, he could apply structuralist thinking to clothing. He ended up not applying to garments themselves but to uh, language about clothing. So he looked at fashion magazines and how they talked about uh, garments. But there is another stream of thought that garments themselves and the way we put them together can operate like a language. So um, I guess there's something like semantics. So a particular garment might mean something, like a wedding dress has a particular meaning, for example. Then you've got things like syntax. So you can put garments together much like you put words together to form a, to form a language. So if you wore a wedding dress with... Um, Goloshes, for example, that would be perhaps a grammatical mistake. And then there's pragmatic, so context. So if you wore the wedding, the wedding dress to work, um, that would be uh, mistaking mm. uh, using language in the wrong context. Mm-mm. So that is, to an extent, you can, you can run that kind of argument. Um, the trouble with fashion, and, and I guess you, we have to make some distinctions between fashion, dress and clothing. So clothing are the garments we actually put on. Dress are modes of putting on clothing, on garments, um, and they can vary according to, say, um, whether you're at work, for example. So there are dress codes um, or whether you belong to a certain culture. Um, there are codes about how you wear your garments and what what is appropriate in different circumstances. Fashion is something different. Fashion is... Um, subject to various kinds of interpretations of what it actually is. So there's fashion as style, so fashion as good taste, as putting things together in the right way. But there's also fashion as what's subject to the logic of change and novelty. So then we talk, we're talking about fashion as trends, fashion as something that comes and goes. When fashion is thought in that sense, and that's quite obvious when you're looking at you know runways and magazines and things like that, um, fashion's constantly changing. So if it was going to function like a language, it's as if words change their meaning every six months. So it's very hard to run the idea that that it's something static, which is easily understood. It's only in contexts like, say, workwear um, or things like subcultures where clothing changes very slowly that it kind of a, it can acquire a meaning which persists. Hmm. Is it just to j- jump a little bit further into this? And you know, we we can't. These are very complicated, complex issues that you're raising, complex ideas. But is it possible, for example, to to go outside of that language, or is it possible to not be in a fashion? Like, is it is that a possibility? 
Once upon a time, yes. Um, fashion has a history. Uh, in Western cultures, there was really no fashion until the the Renaissance, and it has to do with the the decline of um, aristocratic, theologically organised systems of society and the rise of uh, the bourgeoisie, the mercantile class, and um, so clothing is not no longer tied to strict hierarchies, social hierarchies, and the middle class becomes dominant. And and for that reason, the levelling out of society makes uh, competition between the way people present themselves much more um, prevalent. So fashion really begins, you know, not so long ago, 500 years ago, but it really takes off with the Industrial Revolution when you've got mass production of clothing, so clothing becomes available to everybody. It's not just that you have two... Um, two suits of clothing. You've got your work way, your work day everywhere, every, um, everyday wear, and you've got your Sunday best. You've suddenly got a range of clothing which you can start to acquire. Mm-hmm. Um, Sean, maybe this is a good place to let's let's have a break. Give okay. you a, give you a chance to take a breath, and uh, we'll hear this and come right back. 3CR is actively advocating for equality in the lead-up to the National Postal Survey on same-sex marriage. As such, we will not give airtime to the No campaign on the basis that it is prejudiced, homophobic and harmful to LGBTIQ people and our families. Our community may hold different views on marriage as an institution, yet we agree this postal survey is a political stunt designed to appease prejudiced and homophobic views. 3CR will continue to advocate for equality in all areas. At this particular time in our political climate, we need to ensure that our members, friends and colleagues know that 3CR is a safe space for all our community. We're Communication Mixdown, and this week we're talking with Sean Ryan. He teaches and researches as part of the School of Fashion and Textiles at RMIT University. Sean, I want to pick up a little bit on what we've been talking about, particularly fashion and uh, the rise of the bourgeoisie. And uh, right now in Melbourne, there's a exhibition on, I'm sure you know about it, National Gallery of Victoria. It's the House of Dior exhibition, 70 Years of Fashion Design. What I want to ask is why, is, why does fashion end up in an art gallery? And how does, how does fashion become art and part of art, art gallery culture? This is a really interesting question with a, a bit of a history. Um, I was saying a little bit before about the Industrial Revolution and the mass production of clothing. At the same time, we see the development of what's called haute couture, the French um, uh, luxury fashion um, design practice. A lot of the initial couturiers saw themselves as artists. They modelled their practice on that of artists. They were no longer wanted to be considered as craftspeople, as tailors and dressmakers. Um, So in the middle of the 19th century, there becomes a a fairly close affiliation between movements in art and fashion. So, for example, in the 20th century, you've got both um, collaborations with and fashion designers seeing themselves as, for example, surrealists. And, and designing in that kind of manner. Um, so for much of the 20th century, there's been close proximity of art and fashion, but it's really only in the 
late 20th century, in the 1980s, I guess, that fashion starts to be, to be exhibited in galleries. Um, before that, it was more there were more anthropological exhibitions, you know, dresses from different cultures and different historical periods. Suddenly we get exhibitions of quite contemporary designers, of designers that are actually still alive. A lot of the criticism that happened then about fashion exhibitions in galleries was that they're really commercial exercises to promote the store down the road who's actually selling the stuff that you're seeing in the gallery. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, uh, that's the movement has just kept going and we don't just have garments on display in fashion galleries now, but we have fashion performances and all kinds of um, talks and things like that. So I guess fashion is seen as a reasonably legitimate art form. There are lots of questions about differences between art and design and fine art and applied mm-hmm. art and things mm-hmm. like that, but I think there's no going back now. It's seen as mm-hmm. something that has its place in the gallery. Let's move from high fashion to fast fashion. And uh, there's lots of criticism now about fashion and consumption and particularly cons- the conspicuous consumption of what we think of as fashion and style and how it gets disposed of. And and there's a huge amount of waste, which is part of the argument, high volumes of waste. How do you think about this? You know, it's something I I worry about without actually wanting to research, but I have a lot of students that are very keen on this. So they see their future in the industry. They're quite concerned by um, the direction in which fast fashion is taking us. So there are counter-movements in fashion, slow fashion, which want to recapture handcrafting and um, and slower seasons, you know. So, for example, there's been a rapid um, acceleration of the number of fashion seasons. Once upon a time there were two. There was spring, summer and autumn, winter. Now you've got all these middle seasons and what fast fashion labels do is they keep repeatedly dropping new lines of clothing into their stores. That's something that um, fashion students in particular are picking up on. And so there's a gradual movement, and there are lots of, especially in universities, um, colloquia and seminars that are trying to find resolutions to this problem. Um, Perhaps it's about trying to forge stronger emotional connections with our clothes. Um, And so how do we design to do that? How do we make people more attached to their clothes so they don't want to... Mm. Um, dump this week's T-shirt for another one next week. Um, so these are real issues. It, it's mm. it's partly about economics, but it's also about psychology. It's about mm. emotional connections, mm. Mm. and it's about supply chains, and um, it's about the kinds of toxic dyes we use to to dye our garments. These are all serious issues, and because it's such a huge industry, um, they're quite urgent ones. Very interesting to hear about the pushback from the students. It's a, it's kind of almost like a grassroots. Uh, yeah, movement that's, yeah. that's pushing they're against. Certainly, they're certainly not divas. They're they're quite concerned about the industry they want to move into, and they want to make it, you know, to improve its um, mm. its social status. That's really interesting. Nice to hear that too. And something else that we hear a lot about is social media. And we were chatting about this just before you came on. Um, it, the claim is it's changed the world of fashion very dramatically. What's your take on all of this? I guess fashion is essentially about identity and about expressions of identity. And so this is what's happening with social media is that that people are finding this as a a new medium in which to express who they are or who they want to be Um, because fashion is very much a visual expression of identity and that's part of its criticism is that 
we have a soul, we have a character, um, they're the core of our being. Fashion is quite something quite superficial. It's even more superficial than our body, you know. So um, that's part of the criticism of fashion, but uh, social media is inherently visual. So this is a way in which we can display who we are quite quite visually through the way in which we, we dress ourselves and comport ourselves and adorn ourselves. So it's it's made for fashion. You just have to look at Instagram, for example, and all the students have Instagram accounts where they're posting not necessarily selfies, but their garments, their works. You know, they're using it as a kind of mode of um, communicating mm-hmm. the work and trying to even drum up potential customers and things like mm-hmm. that. That's very interesting. And and some of them you were saying before, some of the students are actually doing research on on this very the very use of social media to do these kinds of things. I have students um, researching memes, so and there are fashion companies now that use memes. They're actually trying to create and control memes, which I think is a kind of paradoxical um, enterprise. Um, there were students researching selfies, and I was talking to you a little bit before. Um, one student is writing a thesis on compliments and how uh, the recipient of a compliment downplays the compliment. So um, she's researching how people pose selfies of themselves dressed and the responses that they give to the compliments that they're, that they're paid. Hmm. It's, it's a really common topic simply because it's so it's, – it's ubiquitous. We can't get away from it. And presumably the, the students and, and the fashion industry itself has to take on board this, this tsunami of social media and they do. to make itself – Yeah, as, as, a, as a business um, uh, medium, of course, the, 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 the larger corporations and the smaller corporations all have Facebook accounts and Instagram accounts and use Twitter and things like that. But we have you know, the, the rise of the fashion film, for example. So a lot of fashion now is communicated not just on runways and not just in stores, but the runway shows are themselves shown on film. But companies themselves actually make films. So we have labels like Dior or Chanel creating films with Nicole Kidman directed by Baz Luhrmann to promote their product. Uh, so the medium itself is moving away from face-to-face contact or face-to-hand contact um, with, with clothing, with fashion, to all these digital representations of what fashion might be. Now, I want to, we're, we're probably coming close to the end of, of where we're going. I want to come right back to the beginning where you were talking about the barely existent field of fashion theory. Now, clearly, 3CR and uh, our little program here is not the place for fashion theory. But if you were going to, I don't know, recommend a few things that we would, you know, we, we want to find out a bit more, uh, where, where would we go to 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 find out, discover, I mean, you talked about films or, or things that we should read. You mentioned Roland Barthes. Are there things that you would say, look, you know, here's some interesting stuff that we should be, uh, you know, tuning into? I was being a bit cheeky when I said the barely existent field of fashion theory because it's it's been around for a couple of decades now, but it's it's fairly new. Before that, it was the province of sociology and anthropology, but it's become, it's coming into its own. There are a few publishers in particular that publish on fashion theory. So um, the Berg Fashion Library and Bloomsbury Press are are really dominant um, publishers in fashion theory. There there are lots of little books out there um, which the students are are discovering on their own, but there's no real, you can't miss this, this is the go-to book for Mm, fashion theory. mm. It's still a field um, that's being worked out. We don't really even have a, a good definition of what fashion is, um, let alone a, a theoretical exposition of it. The, 
Every book about fashion starts with a um, a debate about what the actual concept is. <laughs> so until we work that out, I don't think we can actually um, come up with a fashion theory that everyone's going to agree with. Well, look, maybe that's it is a good place to uh, to finish because it's sort of like a question mark, but also projects us into the future and and gets us thinking about what what might be coming next. So. Sean, thanks so much for being with us on Communication Mixdown. And uh, thank you very much for your insights. It's a pleasure, John. Thank you for having me. Talking there with Sean Ryan. He teaches and researches in the School of Fashion and Textiles at RMIT University. And uh, yes, very interesting stuff. And I got to say, uh, you know, I'm very, I, I'm, I'm thinking about these things as as you've been talking and uh, thinking about some of these films that I might 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 go and see. And I'll chat to you afterwards, and we'll get some titles as well. Um, well, we're communication mixed down, and we're going to get out of here. We're back next week, so we'll speak to you then.